I heard the trumpet announcing the start of the race, and I heard the crowd outside of the grandstand murmuring in anticipation, but I had other things on my mind. I had morphed a horse before, so I thought I knew exactly what to expect. But this was not just any horse. This was a racehorse, high-strung, aggressive, and just a little mean. Search every stall, a voice cried. Who knows what those kids have been doing to the horses? They turned one horse blue. Well, make it fast. The first race has already started. I heard stall doors opening and closing. They were at the far end of the barn. I had two minutes. Maybe. I started the morph. The first thing that happened was the ears. My human ears sort of crawled up the side of my head to the top. Then they sprouted. No big deal. I mean, no big deal once you're used to that kind of thing. If you weren't expecting it and your ears suddenly started crawling up the side of your head while getting long and pointy and covered with golden fur, you'd probably think it was a pretty big thing. My body began to change very quickly. My butt grew huge. I had a mega butt. My knee suddenly reversed direction with a loud, sickening grinding noise. My calves were stretching out, longer and longer. They were practically without meat, just long bones covered with golden fur. The fur rippled up across my body, up my legs, down my arms, across my back and chest. I wish I'd had time to enjoy that part, because it was cool. The horse had a soft, smooth, beautiful golden coat. Then, my arms started growing. The upper arms bulged with massive, bunched muscles. All the muscle was at the top. The bottom was practically just a stick. As I watched, my fingers melted together. They looked exactly as if they'd been made of wax and put in a hot oven. They just melted. Ah! I yelped. For a brief moment, I'd seen the fleshless bone of my own fingers. Not something you want to see. Trust me. They were bright white. I could see my fleshless knuckles. I heard something. Down there. Just keep searching. No one is getting out of this barn. I fell forward, no longer able to stand on my legs. I fell forward just as the bare bones of my fingers melted together and hardened into hooves. Clump. My front hooves hit the ground. And now, the horse, the real horse, was starting to get extremely worried. He had come out of his acquiring funk, and now he was beginning to realize something very, very, very wrong was happening right there in his own stall. (laughs) It's okay, boy, I started to whisper, but just as I started the word okay, my entire face exploded outward. My nose just got up and left. It moved away. Far away. It sprouted into a muzzle a foot long. More than a foot long. My nose grew so monstrously huge that it forced my eyes apart. It was incredible. My eyes, which had been just an inch apart, 
like any normal person's eyes, were spreading further and further. And as they separated, I found my field of vision growing wider and wider. But then it was too wide. My eyes were staring out of the sides of my head. My eyes were where my temples should have been. And in between those eyes was a nose the size of Rhode Island. My nose had stretched out so far, it had dragged my mouth along for the trip. I heard an awfling, growling, grinding sound coming from inside my own head. My teeth itched as they were replaced by the thick, flat teeth of a horse. I was now almost a complete horse. Then, somewhere way, way back, I felt a tail sprout like some hyperactive weed. Okay, now I was done. The real horse stared at me from one big, watery eye. It sniffed me. What it smelled was nothing, at least to a horse brain. Horses and other animals that rely on smell are not equipped for the idea that they could smell another horse and have it smell exactly like them. It would be like a human suddenly finding herself face to face with a person who was identical. Only, horses aren't exactly the geniuses of the animal kingdom. They can't make any sense of it. So, weirdly enough, the real horse's reaction was to grow calmer. It was more or less as if I weren't there. And the stranger thing was that I felt the horse brain in me awaken and bubble up beneath my own human consciousness. I felt the same way about the other horse. It was like, what other horse? I tested the horse's senses. Excellent hearing. Good sense of smell. But the eyesight was a mess. I was nearsighted. But far worse than that was the way I was staring in opposite directions at the same time. My eyes looked left and right. I had no depth perception in those directions. I couldn't really tell very well if something on my left was two feet away or five feet. If you had put two sticks in the ground, I probably could not have told you which was closer. But directly ahead of me, there was a zone where my horse eyes overlapped. Only there did I have binocular vision like humans and hawks have. I could see depth, but only in the area right in front of me. It was strange, but what was disturbing was the level of energy the big horse had. It was like every single muscle on my body was being given an electric jolt. I was an entire power plant of pure energy. But there was nothing uncontrollable about the horse brain. I felt hunger, but not the raving lunatic hunger of some species. I felt an edgy concern but nothing like the insane, mind-eating fear of a small mouse or squirrel. I can handle this, I told myself. Just one thing left to do. I have to get out of the stall and out of the barn, and I have to morph back and find the others. Okay, three things to do. There was just no way to be subtle about it. I stuck my big golden head out over the stall door and did what no horse has ever been smart enough to do. I slid the little lock to one side and pushed the stall door open. Just act normal, I told myself. Yeah, a normal girl who's turned into our racehorse. I stepped out. I could see in both directions simultaneously, so I saw the two groups of stable workers at opposite ends of the barn. Okay, just walk on down. One of the men froze. He stared and then he came rushing over. Hey, it's Minneapolis Max. He's out of his stall. How the... Someone is going to catch some grief behind this. Joe, 
Grab his bridle for crying out loud. Quick, before Max here starts raising Cain. From the other side of my head, I spotted the teenager I'd kicked earlier. He raced to the stall I'd just left. Hey, Mr. Hinkley, there's another horse in here that looks exactly like... Just shut up and bring me his gear. Now, now! Yes, sir. The man called Hinkley approached me slowly, carefully, with good reason. The horse in me was skittish. He was a combination of scared and mad. Mad at the man, sure, but much madder at the smell of the other stallions in the other stalls. One in particular. His scent stuck in my nose and really, really annoyed me. I didn't know what the other stallion thought he was doing on my turf, but I was ready to go hoof to hoof with him and show him who was boss. <laughs> I whinnied at ear-splitting volume, screaming my challenge to combat. Hey boy, you know you're in the next race, so you decide to come on out? Save that energy, big guy. That's my champion. That's my Minneapolis Max. That's when it hit me. I'm no racing fan, but the name penetrated my slightly deranged consciousness. I recognized that name. I had just morphed the horse who was expected to go on to win the Kentucky Derby. Come on, boy. We have a race to run. That was fine with me. I wanted to run. Chapter 16 Cassie, it's me, Tobias. I don't know if you can hear me, but you're the only one I haven't found. If you can give me some kind of sign, anything, where are you? I'm down on the track, I said. Hey, you must be in Morph if you're thought-speaking. Yes, I am definitely in Morph. Well, where are you? What are you? I'm in Horse Morph, Tobias. Cool. So, where are you? I sighed. Look at the track. See the horse that's being led into the starting gates? See the horse whose jockey's wearing red and green silks? Number 24? You're kidding. No, Tobias, I am not kidding. How did this happen? It's a long story, and I don't have time to tell it. I have a race to run. My jockey was barely a feather on my back. That didn't bother me. But I really did not like the bit in my mouth. It was infuriating. Almost as infuriating as the dark brown stallion once all over. I snorted defiantly at the brown stallion. Easy, easy, the jockey said. Out of my right eye, I spotted Marco pushing his way through the crowd. He waved frantically. I see you, Marco. It's okay, don't worry. Obviously, Tobias had told the others of my predicament. Who's worried? Marco yelled. I just want to know if you're going to win. I have five bucks I could bet on you. Very funny. Oh, very, very funny. My jockey yanked my bridle and dug his toe into my side. And the dumb thing was, I didn't really know what he wanted me to do. See, I had the instincts of the horse I had morphed, but I did not have the lifetime training of a professional racehorse named Minneapolis Max. So I had to actually think about it, with my human brain. I was pretty sure he wanted me to move toward the starting gate. So I did. 
a trainer was standing by the gate. Cigar man. The cigar was even more disintegrated by slobber now. He's always bulky at the gate, cigar man said to the jockey. Oh, really? Well, I would show them. I tossed my head proudly and I walked calmly into the narrow gate. But once inside, I realized why Minneapolis Max was bulky. There was zero room. The wooden slat walls pressed in on me from both sides. It was a trap! A trap! Run! I reared up, flailing my front legs wildly. I kicked the gate with my forehooves and yelled at the top of my horse lungs. Wham! <laughs> Take it easy, Max! Easy! The jockey said. I was scared. Or, at least my horse brain was scared. And I still had the obnoxious scent of that other big stallion in my nose. So I was mad, too. That's my excuse. I just wasn't thinking. Because when the jockey once again told me to take it easy, I did something I shouldn't have done. Something I wouldn't have done if I hadn't been distracted. You take it easy. I'm crammed into a little box here. I said in ThoughtSpeak. ThoughtSpeak is like email. It only goes to the person you address it to. So, he did hear me. I know for a fact he did, because he said, Huh? What? What the? Whap! A massively loud bell rang. The gate slammed open, and I started running. I kicked out with the big bunched muscles of my back legs. I threw my front legs out to catch myself with each stride. I exploded from the gate. Exploded! I felt the adrenaline flood my system. To my left, horses. To my right, horses. We were running all out. Running like mad, hooves flashing, muscles firing and releasing, manes streaming, tails bobbing. Our nostrils flared wide to suck in gasping breaths. I ran. I ran and the other horses faded from my thoughts. I ran and it was like I was the only horse on earth. I saw the track ahead of me and that's all I cared about. I just wanted to run and run for as long as there was open ground ahead of me. I was doing what I had been designed to do. I was fulfilling millions of years of horse evolution. I was running. And running was what I did. Running was what I was. The jockey tried to rein me in. He was conserving my strength and stamina for the end of the race. Forget winning, I told him. The point is not to win. The point is just to run. To his credit, he didn't fall off in shock. And also to his credit, he gave me control. And I did what horses do. I hauled hoof. Around the turn, digging my hooves in to keep from slipping. I moved in toward the whitewashed rail, cutting straight across the path of another horse. But I didn't care. Ha! Huh, I was running. Everything else could just get out of the way. Down the backstretch. No sound but my own gasping breath and the pounding, pounding, pounding of dozens of hooves on dirt. The far turn. I was tiring now. My lungs ached. My muscles burned. I felt each new impact of my hooves on the dirt. It was time to slow down. Rest a little. But then, I saw him. The dark brown stallion. I saw him sneak up, getting between me and the rail. And I saw him pull ahead of me. Don't fade on me now, talking horse, the jockey said. I saw the wild, triumphant look in the stallion's eye. It made my blood boil. Hang on, Mr. Jockey, 
We're gonna win this race. Easier said than done. The other horse was fast. Very fast. But I had something he didn't have. A human brain. See, I knew the finish line was not far off. I knew I could pour every last ounce of energy into running. I could override my horse instincts that told me to slow down. I stretched out my stride and powered down the track. I was ahead. He was ahead. I was ahead. He was ahead. The crowd was screaming deliriously. I saw thousands of faces flash by, all with their mouths wide open. The roar just gave me more energy still. The finish line! The cameras went off. Zoom! I blew across the line, exactly two feet ahead of the other stallion. I had won! I think it was the first time in my entire life I'd ever won any kind of athletic contest. Sure, I was a horse, but hey, a victory is a victory. Chapter 17 Fortunately, in between running from stable hands and trying to find me, everyone in the group had managed to acquire a horse morph. We flew out to the drylands. It was a long trip, made even longer by the fact that the entire time, we had the same conversation, over and over. All I'm saying is, think of how cool it would be. Marco pleaded. We morph racehorses. I don't think so, Marco. Jake said. Then using our human abilities, we figure out if we think we can win, and the others put money down. Not happening, Marco. Rachel said. We start out betting whatever we have saved. Like, I have about $20. But if we bet that at, say, 3 to 1 odds, before you know it... Marco, forget it, okay? I said. It wouldn't be right. We'd have $60. Bet that at 3 to 1 odds, and you have 180 Then bet that, and you have 540 Then 1620 Then 4860 How is it you can multiply in your head like that? Rachel asked. You barely scrape by in your math classes. It's a whole different thing when you're multiplying money. Marco said. A whole different thing. We repeated this conversation with small variations all the way to the drylands. Hey, Tobias said. I think we're in luck. Isn't that the same bunch of horses we saw before? The modest horses? Jake asked. Yep, that's them. Tobias confirmed. I remember the markings. Look at the way they move. Down below, my osprey eyes spied the horses. They were walking almost in a line, like soldiers, not like wild horses. But alongside the disciplined group were other horses. These other horses were moving normally. I think our main group of horse controllers has picked up a few tagalongs. It would make sense. The real horses don't know these are your confested horses. So they hook up, figuring to be part of the same herd. And look where they're heading. Marco said. Right toward the base. Right into Zone 91. I understand what a racetrack is now. A place where horses chase each other in circles as humans scream. But what exactly is Zone 91? Axe asked. You were all talking about it before, but I am still confused. 
You probably already know what's going on at Zone 91. Marco said darkly. Jake sighed. It's a secret base. They say it's a place where the government is hiding an alien spacecraft that supposedly crashed here about 50 years ago. Who is they? Axe asked. Marco is they. Rachel said. Nuts. Wackos. Conspiracy freaks. People who go on the internet and call themselves dark truth or whatever. Ah. Axe said, like he understood. Marco was right about one thing, however. The horses were heading directly into the base. Of course, so were other horses. Horses not connected to the band of horse controllers. If you want to infiltrate a heavily guarded base, what better way? I admitted. I saw horses wandering through the base when we were there. True. Jake said. And if you want to watch a group of horse controllers, what better way than to join the herd, just like those others did? Let's fly up ahead, morph to horse, and join with this bunch. See where they go, what they do. Power those wings, Tobias said cheerfully. We still have some flying to do. All I'm saying is, think of how cool it would be, Marco began again. It took ten minutes to get far enough ahead of the horse controller herd with its stray tagalongs. We hid behind some rocks and morphed into our horse bodies. This time we did it quickly, before base security could begin to think someone was in the rocks. Once we were morphed, I realized we had a problem. We look way too good to be scruffy old wild horses, I said. We need to roll in the dirt a little, run through some brambles, look like we've been living out in the wild, not in pampered barns. By the time the horse controllers passed by, we were six dirty, dusty, scruffy-looking beasts but we were also the coolest-looking wild horses anyone would ever see. After all, one of us could be going on to win the Kentucky Derby. Here they come, Jake said. Just try to act natural. The horse herd came ambling by. A couple of the real horses raised their heads to give us a suspicious look and a sniff, but the horse controllers totally ignored us. I resisted my idiot horse urge to challenge the other stallions to mortal combat. We fell into step, not close, but not too far from the others. And we walked, with the slow clop-clop-clop of the horses, right into the heart of the fabled Zone 91. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Alright, uh, I got an email this week from Maggie on Gmail. Um, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, and I actually replied to her directly because it was a big write-up, but essentially, uh, she is looking to start her own podcast and was wondering, uh, if I had any advice or what kind of stuff I use, and, you know, if you're also wondering that, here, I'll tell you. Uh, for, for recording and editing, I use Audacity, which is a free, uh, sound editing software. It's, you know, pretty robust for being free. Uh, just get real familiar with the noise reduction, equalization, and compressor tools, and you're off to the races. Uh, as far as hardware goes, I use a Yeti Blue Mic. Uh, it is from 
the cursory research I've done. Uh, basically, the gold standard when it comes to USB mics, um, I don't think you can get much better as far as audio quality for price for being a USB mic. Uh, this is like it. So that's why I use it um, because I am actually, <laughs> despite having done this for like, what, two years now, three years, uh, don't know that much about sound recording. Um, certainly don't know how to use like those fancy mics that have like all the hardware you got to plug into, then that plugs into your computer or whatever. Um, I was just like, get me a USB mic that I can plug in and use immediately. Um, so there you go. If you were curious, that's what I do. Uh, if you have other questions you'd like to send me or comments, concerns, thoughts, a poem, a song, uh, anything, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Or also, I think there's a, a comment section or something on my website, theapocalypse.com. That's like apocalypse, but with a D right there in the middle. Uh, check it out. It's where I put all the stuff I do. Uh, also, if you use Apple Podcasts and want to give me a rating or review, that would be very cool. I would appreciate that. Uh, if you want to tell a friend about this, that would be very cool, too. I love to get new listeners. Uh, that's all I have for you this week. Man, we are blazing through this book. I think we're like over halfway through. Um, bit of whiplash after that extremely long Andalite Chronicles. I got used to like churning out episodes and I turn around. I'm like, wow. We are deep into this one. Um, but anyway, that's all I got this week, so I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.